Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in to the Marissa Says Podcast, where we work to normalize learning while fostering healthy and sometimes difficult discussions. This week's episode starts right now. Alright, so welcome, welcome everyone. Welcome back. To those of you that are new, welcome. Uh, I am going to get right into it, but this week I actually have two affirmations that I wanted to share. So the first one is the following. I am allowed to rest. Full stop. That's it. I am allowed to rest. I noticed that my conversations that I've been having uh, more recently on rest resonate with other people and not just myself like I thought they did, but I figured it would be a great time to include a final reminder here that you don't need to earn the right to rest, nor should you be resting and feeling guilty for doing so. Allow yourself to rest guilt-free. You don't have to owe an explanation to someone. There doesn't have to be a reason for why you're resting. If in that moment, your soul, your body, your mind, what have you is signaling to you, hey, we need to recharge. We need a moment of pause. We need a moment of rest. Then take it. My second affirmation is the following. Even though I am not in full bloom, I am exactly where I am supposed to be. I thought this one was exceptionally fitting given that seasonal depression has really been beating my ass this time around. So it was like with the words, you know, bloom, I thought it served as a like healthy reminder that although I'm not where I necessarily want to be, I am like I still am, you know, I'm not where I want to be, but I still am here. And that alone is a blessing. So those are your two positive affirmations to get you started, but now we're going to hop into what's been on repeat this week, and I've actually been listening to an entire playlist, and this time I have been listening to Apple Music's R&B Now 2020 playlist. Uh, so far, so good. It's a great vibe. I don't have to worry about, like, you know, picking songs out for a while. <laughs> and yeah, check it out for those of you who have Apple Music. I'm not sure if it's available anywhere else or if you can find the list, but I have been enjoying that entire playlist. Now it's time to recap and catch up with T, aka me. And I don't think there's too much going on other than like this end of year mix of emotions. You know, it's like the holidays haven't really, I feel like, I guess, okay, hold on. I know words. So I feel like over the past maybe like five years, the holiday cheer for me has kicked in like later and later. And now it's the 23rd and I'm just like, yeah, Christmas in two days, whatever. But then there's the mix of emotions because it's like seasonal depression. Then COVID just amplifies anything. But I think this year I'm definitely the Grinch. Like I'm over it. I don't care about the holidays. Um, I genuinely could care less about, you know, celebrating Christmas this year. But I think that's just in combination of like growing up, Christmas was never really about like the gifts and all the like theatrics of everything. It was more so just like this is sacred time for your family family and to enjoy that time so for me like I'm still going to be with my parents so I'm perfectly fine but that's a lie I'm not perfectly fine but I mean like boof 
I'm not really, I don't have any type of like holiday FOMO or anything. I'll probably be jealous when I see people's plates of food, but other than that, not really. But since we're talking about food, it's time for what we eating. Hey, what we eating. <laughs> and I actually, so I have water because I'm still fighting my skin. So I have a glass of water here and I have some Greek yogurt with some peanut M&Ms and it's kind of inspired by, but also it's like my, one of my little go-to snacks um for those of you who watch my get to know me featuring snacks live on my instagram it's posted so you can check it out now but yeah i like putting m&ms in greek yogurt peanut m&ms those are the M only m&ms i like and it's cool because then the color and the dye which is super unhealthy for me like melts into the yogurt but i'm sure you've been you know here this is a little mix it's in a little glass like ice cream bowl mm, delicious and I only had water but I had to go and make myself some coffee before I started recording because your girl is tired I'm so exhausted I feel like a zombie and it's funny because I've been binging the walking dead so I'm like maybe I'm embodying the walkers you know maybe I'm kind of adapting their spirit or lack thereof Mm. Coffee's delicious though. All right, so let's get into the topic of the day. I don't really have like a set, I guess, path I want to go down, but I was trying to figure out how I was going to be wrapping up season one and like what would be my final episode, and then just naturally. Uh, last week or maybe closer to two weeks ago now, my um, one of my colleagues at work shared that there was the uh, Jayu uh, Film Festival going on. And one of the films that was being shown is this film called Conscious Point. And it's not conscious like your subconscious, like it's con science, like that's how it's spelled. But essentially, the film is about uh, Beneath the Hamptons. And we know the Hamptons as, you know, this wealthy place in the U.S. that everyone goes to uh, in the summer to party. But beneath it, uh, there is this history of the Shinnecock Indian Nation. And they were essentially pushed off their land. They had land stolen from them over the course of 100 years. And they were relocated to like a small little reservation. And it's like a peninsula part. And they now have to watch people essentially play golf and party on their sacred burial grounds and they have been fighting for years like the Shinnecock Hills Golf Club which has hosted the U.S. Open I think five times it literally carved it's literally on top of a Shinnecock burial ground. So I had no idea about this because again, my idea of the Hamptons was like fucking like the Kardashians take um, the Hamptons or whatever and come to find out that it's literally on a burial ground. Not only is there a small like reservation in this area, they have 
houses and golf clubs going up on these people's sacred burial grounds. For me, I just thought that was something I wanted to, whoops, I just kind of assaulted my mic there. I wanted to address because I feel like as we're wrapping up 2020, as we're coming down to the end of everything, especially like where I am in Canada or on Turtle Island, I just feel like in a weird way, it kind of lined up to bring it back to the true owners of the land, which is um, those people who come from indigenous communities. We are all on their traditional territories. So I just took some notes on the movie and I wanted to share them with you. So Conscious Point, again, it's spelled C-O-N-S-C-I-E-N-C-E, Conscience Point. That is where the uh, indigenous people first met the pilgrim. So this was in 19, uh, in 19, in 1640, 1646, 1640. I'm not an American, so I don't know the American history too, too much. But the 1640s is when the pilgrims first arrive. And I guess according to a lot of like historians, and I guess you'll see in history books, that's kind of when the story of like history first started. But the people the indigenous people and the occupants and the rightful owners of the land had already been there for 400 generations or even more. So, or well, thousands of generations, I'm sorry. So they think that, okay, 1600s to now, it's 400 generations that they've been there. No, it's even more than that. It's thousands of generations. And I thought it was really interesting because in the movie, uh, it centers around... Or like the main character who is in the movie is this activist named Rebecca Hill or uh, Becky, as they call her, or as she likes to be called in the film, she's referred to. But she explained her relationship with the land in a way that I thought was so like beautiful because obviously this is not a way I have thought of it. But she said, yes, they're the rightful owners of the land, but they look at it as they are the caretakers of the land. The land takes care of them and they take care of the land and it's a relationship. So once they started, uh, if we're going back to like the 1600s and once they finally came, the pilgrims came after a while, the Shinnecock reservation was made in the Hamptons and that was 1200 acres and that today is what's known as the Hamptons. So they gave them 1,200 acres. And then across the years, they just kept cutting away and cutting away. And it's interesting to see that not only were um, the like indigenous people fighting for the rights of the land, there were baymen who, who are, I guess, like fishermen and they work in the bay. They were baymen who are saying... How with all the development, you can see how there's less uh, fish coming. There is less, uh, you know, clams or scallops uh, that are coming. And it's harder for them to, yes, find them. But also the Shinnecock people, that's how they eat. They go out and they fish and they get their food for dinner. And now with all this development and all these boats in the water and all this pollution in the water they are now literally getting their, uh, like access to food is being impeded upon. Now, another thing that I thought was kind of interesting was she had mentioned how 
with the water and where they are, how one thing that is extremely like dangerous or problematic is how they spray for mosquitoes and how they sprayed their lawns to, I guess, get rid of other bugs and stuff. And she simply said, she said, perfect green lawns are unnatural. And I sat with that for a second. I was like, wow, that's so true. And what like a metaphor for life. Like perfection is not something that's natural. And we always tell people like don't strive for perfection. But it's true down to like the suburbs I live in. When I look in the summer and I see everyone is trying to have the greenest of lawns. And I'm like, that's not natural. If you have different things growing on your land, that means your land is fertile. That means it's healthy. That means there's life in abundance on it. And again, that is just another thing that now these people are coming. And even though um, one thing that was really interesting was the homes, a lot of the homes in the Hamptons are assets for people, which means like people don't actually live there year round. They own the house. They have people that take care of it. And then they come for whatever, three weeks, three months, or however long they want to spend there in the summer. Now, it's interesting because to see some of the like town officials, so like the white leaders in the Hamptons explain this, they say like, oh, well, this is great because now it's creating work. People want to work in the Hamptons. They're coming to the Hamptons. However, this demand for labor that is sourced outside of the Hamptons is just another way to cater to the elite while the elite can then turn around and like resent the Shinnecock people or resent the people who are essentially working for them because that is their source of employment. Now, I forgot to mention this, but there was this um, discussion about the Non-Intercourse Act, and I don't know what year it came out, but it was essentially that the uh, settlers couldn't build on the land, and then they found a way to lie about signatures and literally stole the land from indigenous people and the Shinnecock people so they can build the railroad. And that is how they were able to take over the Shinnecock Hills, which is like, that is a sacred place for them. And now it's like the Hampton Hills, but they were able through literal, like false falsifying of documents. And you, they showed you in the documentary, the documents, what was done and what was said. And they were able to just steal the land right out from them, under them, the land that they promised to the Shinnecock people in order to build a railroad. Fast forward to like now and you have golf courses on sacred lands and on burial lands. There's this place called Parish Pond. That's another place that's being developed as well, and as I was watching this documentary, I was just sitting here because I was literally shooketh. I was, I think what really messed me up was watching the developers dig up bones. They literally dug up bones and to have the Shinnecock people have to stand like on the outside of the construction site and say, we told you so, those are our ancestors. And then it's being treated as a crime scene. And so now you have all these police officers or whoever coming in and not necessarily, well, not not necessarily, and not treating this burial ground with like respect or proper care and dis- further disregarding this now grave that has been uprooted 
And it's just wild to see that this is something that is literally happening right now, 2020. And there was a land claim that was filed in court in 2005, and they have been trying to um, essentially get back their uh, claims on the land, and obviously there have been delays and excuses and loopholes, but it's very interesting because what they are essentially fighting for is they're just, they just want to preserve their way of their land. And they, the message that was shared was that you have to preserve your way of the land for the next seven generations. And you have to understand who you are and where you come from in order to share that with your children. But if we look at it, these people are getting where they're taken, where they're from, taken away from them and stolen from them. And then it's just another way that just like white settlerism and colonialism is erasing so much indigenous culture and history that is so important and so rich and valuable and beautiful and just so everything. And you're literally removing that for what? A big house with a tennis court that you're only going to use maybe three times a year makes absolutely no sense. And another thing that didn't make sense was that I guess in the Hamptons, there's they explained that there's 2% of the property purchased or 2% of the amount of the property that is purchased or the tax, I don't know, 2% of something, okay, goes into this community preservation fund. And that generated $700 million in one year alone. And that idea for that community preservation fund is to help preserve the community. However, there is like a little discrepancy because the Shinnecock people are like not part of the Hanton. So there's difficulties for them to try and spend that money on the Sh- the Shinnecock reservation or on the Shinnecock people because they are not necessarily part of the Hamptons. How fucked up is that? Fucked up if you ask me. And another thing that's fucked up because the Hamptons are in New York, right? And New York is one of the four states in the U.S. of A that does not have grave protection laws, which means like they can't really go after these developers or these people or whoever that are digging up their graves because in New York, there literally is not a grave protection law, um, a grave protection law. Now, mind you, this movie, I believe it came out in 20, either 2019. Yeah, I think it's 2019. It came out. So obviously there have been some changes or some like updates or some progress made. And the really cool thing about the uh, Jayu Festival was that they included a Q&A with the director and they updated us, letting us know that they did just pass the grave desecration laws. Uh, However, although they passed that law, the golf course still continues to operate. And on top of the golf course operating, they block access to the Shinnecock people. So the Shinnecock people can't come to the golf course to like pay respect or just do whatever it is. They can't essentially step on their land. Like if we want to fucking call a spade a spade, they're blocking them from their own land. And they have, I'm pretty sure they have plans for the next U.S. Open in 2021 to be there as well. And it's wild because the Shinnecock 
uh, golf course has like a picture of a Shinnecock person like has them in the full headdress and everyone's coming and and buying their merch and buying their mugs and their ties and their handkerchiefs and their watches and their pens and everything with the Shinnecock people and they don't know that they're literally partying on a giant gravesite and it's just wild to me to think that I don't know. I just thought it was messed up. And then you'll get the, hopefully you'll get the, the title of this episode by now, because I was like, wow. So there is so like, not only like leave it to the Kardashians to have a spinoff of their show on essentially like indigenous and sacred burial grounds, like leave it to them. They poach black culture enough, but you got to get the indigenous ones too. Cause that, that just makes it more wholesome, right? And there was a book recommended by the documentaries produced director, by the documentaries director. Uh, she recommended the following book by Corey D. And it's The End of the Hamptons. So I want to get this book and I will obviously read it. And if you all want me to let you know my thoughts, I can, of course, do so. However, I just wanted to take this second to like kind of put it out there. Obviously I'm Canadian. I am not an American historian or I don't really know uh, too much on uh, the United States specific, but I just wanted to highlight that this did happen in Canada, in Niagara. There was uh, a burial ground, a sacred burial ground that was dug up. So for those of you who want to look that up and take a look into what happened there, I urge you all to do so. And I just wanted to, I guess, take this second as well to kind of wrap up. I don't know what I'm go where I'm going with this. I have in my notes here, I think I wrote freestyle, which is kind of funny because I have a script for every episode. Uh, but today I thought it would just be natural or more organic to kind of have a conversation um, at the end here and just remind all of you to be kind throughout the holidays, be mindful of all the different holidays. And remember that just because it is the holidays, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is having a grand old time. Like for example, for those of you who may not have been aware or don't know, my mom unfortunately is in the advanced stages of dementia. So the holidays, yes they're happening but I still have to you know sleep in shifts and take care of my mom she's bedridden at this point so she is completely dependent on my father and I so I just wanted to remind everyone that not only are some people alone due to the pandemic on top of that some people cannot can literally cannot just take that break as much as they wanted to um but I guess I don't want to get too mushy I don't want to get too, too mushy, but I do wanted to say that I don't have any homework for y'all this week. Um, leave me alone, people. I can't think straight, let alone give y'all like, you know, a clear action item. No, kidding. But I don't, I do. See, there we go. I'm losing my marbles, but I do want to say, I do want to say, on I want to say, make sure you rest, recharge, reflect, love and laugh, and most importantly, be kind to your body, your whole body. Just be kind and loving to your body. P
please. But if you're like me, sometimes you're petty. And I petty wop on any block. So I don't know what that was. But this week for my petty wop on any block, listen, I don't know if it's just me, but the people who don't like social distance or even like attempt to social distance at the store or the people who disregard the blatant huge arrows on the ground, y'all are murderers. In my opinion, y'all are basically (laughs) murderers. Like I get so annoyed when I'm let's say I'm at the grocery store and I'm looking at, I don't know, pasta. And then someone like reaches over or like in front of me or what, or brushes up on me just to get a pasta. One, you can wait, wait for me to finish. And when I move, you can come look at the pasta or two, if you're in that much of a rush, you can at least verbalize. You can say, excuse me, or, Hey, can you pass me this or something of the sort? But Come on, like, don't be brushing up on me. I get so frustrated and I can cut eye. So I will look at you and my mask and my eyes and my forehead, all three of us will be grilling you because I want to know what's up. Another thing, like I said, them arrows, y'all, it's a one way. Are you going to go down the wrong way on a one way street? No, pretend, pretend Walmart's a street. Now we are on the streets. We are on the streets of Walmart, which means if it says one way going this way, please don't go in the opposite direction. I do understand, though, if it's like you need something and it's at the end of the aisle and you could like literally just like reach it, pop in and get it. But it's the people who are just like la-di-da, sound of music, like just strolling through the aisle going the wrong way annoys me. Stop. Don't do it. And it's funny because I don't move out of the way for those people anymore. I kind of just look at them and then they look at me and it's like, and I look at him and he looks at me and I look at him and he looks at me. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What's good, homie? Because I ain't moving. So you go have to move. And like usually a lot of the times they end up moving because like I said, I'm a tourist. I'm a bull. My feet are planted. I'm not going nowhere. But um, all that to say, I just wanted to thank you all for your support as we are winding down here. Uh, just a reminder that this is the final episode of season one for Marissa Says. This is actually like the 10th official episode after launching my pilot episode back in August yes back in August so for those of you who are just tuning in or maybe this is the first or second episode that you're listening to if you like it I love you for it if you don't I still love you don't worry but if you want you can definitely start from the beginning because you will have time to catch up I will be back in about a month on Wednesday January 20th with some new content I'm excited for season two I just want to thank you all for listening loyally or sharing it with people in your community it doesn't go unnoticed until then you can follow me on 
Jeez, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. All three, I have the same handle, Tara Marissa S, and I will put those in the description box. Also, please follow my congrats page, which is a scholarship fund for BIPOC students in Canada. We will be announcing the winner of the winter 2021 semester scholarship on Monday, December 28th. So give us a follow so you can stay in the loop and also please share our page so we can reach more students and hopefully raise more funds in the future. I don't want to ask anyone to donate right now because I understand the holidays might be a pinch for a few, but hey, if you're rich and you got some extra money and you want to give it to me so I could give it to some black students or whatever, I ain't gonna be mad at you. But all that to say, take care of yourself, take care of those you love, wear a mask, wash your hands, wash, oh my god, okay, hold on. wash your hands, wash your fingernails, wash behind your ears, wash your belly button, wash in between your toes, wash the back of your neck, wash, where else? Your fupa, wash under your fupa if you have a fupa, wash under your breasts if you got breasts, uh, what else? What, where's another spot? But like, wash like in your ears, like the whole, like all of your ear, like the cartilage, all that shit. What else? What else um oh my god and wipe down your phone (laughs) okay bye y'all thank you so much for tuning in and i can't wait until we get to chat next time until then alia don't forget to love off yourself now okay bye